0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Diversity and Inclusion On Air podcast. This program is a program of the Association of the American Veterinary Medical Colleges. Um, The program is designed to foster discussions about diversity and inclusion and all of its different ways um, in veterinary medicine. Um, We are really excited today to be broadcasting live from Lincoln Memorial University. And my guest today is Dr. Randy Evans, Associate Dean for Career Services and Professional Development. Great. Right. Yes. That's all right. right. Great. And so I have been here for a day. I'll be here all day today as well, working with some faculty later. Um, it has been beautiful. I've been on the road a lot the last few weeks, so I've missed mm-hmm. my fall foliage kind no, of okay. um, uh, touring that I normally do in the fall. But I got it all squeezed into two days here in Appalachia. It's Gorgeous, fresh air, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful people. Um, So today we're going to actually chat with Randy a bit about Appalachia. Um, And so as is our custom on the show, I like to give my guests an opportunity to tell us a little bit about themselves um, before we dive into the questions. So Randy, why don't you share a little bit?
1: Sure. So I grew up in southeast Kentucky, a little town called Millsboro. Uh, At the time, it had about 12,000 people and I went to undergrad uh, at University of Kentucky and after I left University of Kentucky I was accepted at Auburn College of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, after I finished at Auburn I went to Nashville for six months and then I came back to Harrogate to work in a mixed animal practice. I received the opportunity to come and work at Lincoln Memorial University in the veterinary technology program. Uh, that was in July of 1989 so I've been here for about 28 years now. Wow. So I like to tell people that I've had more titles in a 67 Buick (laughs) while I've been here. (laughs) Because I've been involved with a lot of different programs in Allied Health and, of course, now with the Veterinary College.
0: Sure. So it's really cool. Not too many people kind of get to come back to work so close to home, though. So that's been great. So the Appalachian region is really quite huge. It goes all the way from kind of the deep southeast, kind of Georgia.
1: It starts in... The northeast portion of Mississippi and stretching all the the way up to the southern areas in New York State.
0: Oh wow, so it just kind of has a whole band uh, right up that region. Follows
1: Appalachia Mountains. Yeah,
0: so tell us about Appalachia.
1: So Appalachia uh, includes about 25 million people, Uh, there's about 420 counties counted into the Appalachia Regional Mm -hmm. Commission Mm -hmm. and of course it covers about 13 states. My students from West Virginia like to say that it's the only state that's entirely uh, found yeah, the within ARC. <laughs> so um, uh, it's a great place to live. About 42% of Appalachia is rural uh, compared to okay. you know, 20, 21% in the rest of the United States. But in central Appalachia, it's... About 83% Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of interesting people, interesting culture, Mm -hmm. uh, different cuisine, uh, different way of speaking, very colorful language here. (laughs) Of course, arts and crafts are very important to the region. So it's just uh, very family oriented and a, a great
0: place to be. All right. Great. So, uh, so eighty three percent of Central Appalachia is rural. Right. So, um, tell us about I guess agriculture in the region. Then.
1: Well, for a long time, uh, people were dependent upon um, farming, especially small hobby farms. Okay. Uh, still today, about sixty two percent of farms are hundred acres or less. So it's not like nationally where there's large feedlots in the Midwest. It's mm-hmm. More small farms. Um, over the last few years, people have um, stopped growing tobacco. Okay. And so now they're needing another uh, source of income. Um, so, one of the programs we're trying to help local farmers realize is that land you're using for tobacco, maybe you could put small ruminants or cattle or other oh, sure, animals sure. on there and make a little money. People in Appalachia are a little bit reserved about when strangers come in, uh-huh. and that dates back to the 40s and 50s when um, some of the large corporations from the northeast came and um, bought land, you know, pennies on the dollar, sure. and then people had to turn around and work that land in order mm-hmm. to make money. And the way they were paid was through script. <laughs> Maybe okay. working in a coal mine, you get script, and you have to go to the company store and buy the products uh-huh. there. So... Uh, there is some distrust about uh, when strangers show up, especially, you know, the government says, we're here to help you. <laughs> 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 you know, there's going to be some reservations there. A little side there, eye. But, okay. <laughs> but um, that's one of the things we talk to our students about when they come uh-huh. into our program, you know, the ways to help uh, them become more accustomed to the Appalachian culture. And, and But once um, you make friends with someone from Appalachia, they're very loyal and and they're going to stick with you. All right. So you're just like family at that point.
0: Okay. So what about the need for veterinarians in Appalachia? So we've got, you know, in that whole band that you described, there's a, quite a, a, a lot of schools kind of on the edges. Of course, right. LMU and, um, and Tennessee mm-hmm. and Knoxville are kind of right, you know, in the hub. Um, right. But tell us a little about with, with the move away from tobacco and now kind of moving more into small farming, it would seem that the need for veterinary medicine is going up. Is right
1: so of- um, we started a Center for animal and Human health in Appalachia mm-hmm. a few years ago we've had three national conferences uh, thus far uh, but we are the 30th veterinary college in the United States there's six veterinary colleges located within the Appalachia region uh, two as you mentioned are in central Appalachia mm-hmm. but uh, we're the only veterinary college that has Appalachia mentioned in our Mission Mission statement. So we really try to reach out to the Appalachia students. Uh, This area is very underserved as far as the number of veterinarians. Um, So we're trying to help students come in and realize, you know, if if we recruit students from Appalachia, they're more likely to go back to Appalachia or to a rural community. So in our studies with our Center for Animal Health and, and Human Health in Appalachia, We found out that there's about 7,200 practicing veterinarians in the region. Uh, On average, there's about eight uh, employees at each practice. So Mm -hmm. that would make about uh, 57,000 different jobs, which brings in $2.3 billion to the economy. But one of our big questions was, you know, where are the underserved areas? Because in rural Appalachia, we've identified that probably 75% of these counties uh, don't have enough veterinary services. And so if we can help to fill those mm-hmm. needs and the other veterinary colleges mm-hmm. can help the students come back to Appalachia or you know locate Appalachia, that's going to yeah. really help a lot. So that's what we're looking at and, and trying to build up. So in our uh, studies, we found out uh, there's probably a need for about uh, 1,900 more veterinarians oh, wow. in the Appalachia region if we can attract those. And that's about a $621 million loss that we're seeing at this point. So that would be over 15,000 jobs. If we can fill these yeah. veterinary positions that have been identified in that 75% of the rural Appalachian counties, that would be a big economic and cultural boost sure, to the area. Sure, sure,
0: sure, wow. So, I mean, I guess the the veterinarians that are already in the region, are they, um, certainly I'm, I'm guessing that they're, are they more large animal or mixed or, or um, small animal? kind of what, is, is there a specific need for a specific practice area, um, practice type, or is it, we'll take, <laughs> come on down to Appalachia. We'll take whatever <laughs> type of veterinarians that, that we can have.
1: Of course, uh, most of the students that are graduating, they're interested in small sure. animal practice, um, but there are several positions uh, out there for mixed animal practitioners. Okay. There, there's small animal practices that are looking for Uh, veterinarians, but also, you know, mixed animal practice. Uh I think it's, you know, a little bit more difficult someone that wants to go strictly large animal. Sure. Because of the geographic Uh, region of Appalachia, Uh, the animals are more dispersed. Uh, It's very mountainous region. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in my mind, what I've thought about is if we could have regional veterinary practices, Uh, for instance, the model that we have in Harrogate, when I came here, we had the central practice in Harrogate and then a satellite practice in Virginia about 30 miles away and then one in La Follette, uh, Tennessee. But mm-hmm. we all lived in this area yeah. and then we would just cover those three practices. Yeah. And if, if we could find more veterinary technicians, that would help sure, as far sure. as that second level of care for animals. So, so the need is definitely there. Um, and you know, as I said, we are wanting to recruit students from Appalachia Um, Our first three classes, we averaged between 25 to 30% Appalachia students. Uh, This class we most recently admitted was about 45% Appalachia, so that was a big, big jump. And uh, even in that class, uh, the students were represented from 27 different states. We had one student, or two students from Puerto Rico and one from Hawaii. So so it's very interesting, the mixture and everybody coming together with their cultures and and learning from each other. All right, all
0: right. So yeah. I, you know, I didn't I didn't know until I got here that LMU also has a vet tech program, and mm-hmm. so um, so you guys are, have the engine kind of to produce both wow. right here, and so that's um, that's that's really exciting. So tell us a little bit about um, some of the unique. Are there unique concerns? I mean, clearly there's a there's a need. There's the workforce need, and mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, there's certainly an economic need. I mean, that's a huge amount of money that is right. kind of being lost in the region. Um, but with the emergence of the small kind of boutique farms, are there a specific um, kind of needs? I mean, especially with, when you're talking about such a huge region and that geographic disbursement. I mean, mm-hmm. um, are, um, I'm guessing a lot of there are a lot of trucks. I've seen a lot, <laughs> <laughs> a lot <Right>. of
1: <laughs> So, you know... Some of our issues that we're dealing with are the same yeah. uh, you know cross veterinary medicine as far as making sure the students when they do uh, locate in Appalachia town mm-hmm. or the region you know they make a decent salary that yeah. can support their family um, we're always trying to help them you know even the students that move here try to help their spouses or significant mm-hmm. others find a place of employment of course student debt is always on our mind we're trying yeah. to keep our tuition as low as possible and making sure that we don't do things that's gonna to add to yeah. that debt. So that's some of the things that we're uh, looking at with these students. And always quality of life is important yeah. to us. Um, as I said, I grew up in Southeast Kentucky. When I was young, we did not even have a veterinarian in the county. Wow. As I got older, there was a veterinarian moved in and started a small animal practice. Uh, but actually, there was a local gentleman that was in uh, D-Day he was a medic in D-Day and so everybody would take their animals to this <laughs> <I was laughs> man gonna... <laughs> his name was Dewey Fee in order to get animal care and then in the the mid-70s um, Dr. Robertson graduated from Auburn and came here and he actually covered eight counties as far as large animal practice so he was on the road all the time but, yeah. he, but he loved it and uh, loved interacting with the people so, so there's definitely a need and a demand for veterinary services it's just a matter of getting the, the students or graduates mm-hmm. located, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not just them working in a practice. They they should get involved in the community, yeah. and, you know, they're going to support those areas, uh, yeah. not only uh, professionally, but economically, and then, sure. you know, in all sure. ways, going, they need to be embedded in the community.
0: So what are some of the biggest challenges? I mean, um, you know, you, you seem to actually be pulling students from all over. That is an issue, yeah. but... Um what are some of the biggest challenges, I guess, to um recruiting students to the region?
1: Well, um we have several interview days, mm-hmm. and when the students show up because you know we are in Appalachia and some of the stereotypes of people yeah. in Appalachia, they don't know what they're gonna find when they get here but l m u has always emphasized um the health sciences over the last you know ten or fifteen years that's what our emphasis has been in and technology. So we try to, yeah. to really have a high-tech uh, things available for the students as far as lecture and labs. And um, so that, that's some of the challenges mm-hmm. that we face, yeah. but you know, just like other parts of the nation, uh, the opioid crisis is, mm. is a big concern of ours and um, making sure that the, you know, the workforce is yeah. there too, not only the mm-hmm. veterinarians, but also that um, people's had some problems you know, helping them yeah. Uh, get rehabilitated, and then be ready to work. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, I mean, it seems, I mean, if if if, uh, if you're an outdoorsy type, this is the place yeah, for so, you.
1: So we're, <laughs> we're right on the uh, edge of the Cumberland Gap National Historical yeah. Park. Uh, there's actually three state parks within the region, and when people ask, you know, where is LMU? When we first started, because it's got Lincoln in it, people uh-huh. thought we were in Nebraska. <laughs> so <laughs> we always have to talk about the location, but... You know, we'll, we'll tell uh, people that inquire that we're in the corner of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia. We literally yeah. are, because one mile from campus, you're in Kentucky, and going another mile, you're in Virginia. Yeah. So we are
0: yeah. located
1: right there in the corner.
0: Well, but, yeah, you've got a big national um, national park right here, and mm-hmm. um, there's a trail, of, apparently, I guess, that runs um, a long, long way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, and so I know that there's a uh, lots of opportunities for hiking and biking and running right. and and all kinds of things. And um, I'm a city girl, so um, and while I have seen lots and lots of wildlife, my mother is is from uh, a really rural area. I um, still was a bit shocked to see the buffalo on the side of the road mm-hmm. yesterday when I was driving by. Right. So I'm assuming those were there, there was a gate. So I'm assuming yes. they were not wild. Right.
1: <laughs> right so you know uh, students that are from larger cities Uh uh, some of those students have decided that they want to stay in the area because they they love it so much and we do try to treat them like family that's one of the things they notice is the friendliness of the people in the area and of course the veterinary college always tell our students that we're not the entertainment capital of the world but (laughs) we are a very safe place and we're we're going to deliver a good veterinary curricula for yeah, you. Yeah,
0: sure, sure. I mean, well, I I mean, I, I posted some pictures um, last night from my drive-in, and I posted a picture. I drove in from the, the farm this morning, and, and I posted a great picture when I got to the Gap and said my commute was better than yours. So <laughs> so, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the farm facility that you all have? I, I had a great chance to I stayed out there last night and toured yesterday. It's, it's just gorgeous.
1: So um, I like to tell people that our veterinary college, uh, it didn't start um, from scratch. Uh-huh. It started from itch because itch <laughs> comes from <before> scratch. <laughs> so uh, we did have the veterinary technology program uh-huh. here. And then uh, after the NAVMEC conferences in 2010, right. that's what really got us to thinking about, you know, we would be uh-huh. a great place for a veterinary college. And since we don't have uh, the population base, we knew that we couldn't build a veterinary teaching hospital mm-hmm. here. So okay. that's why we use the distributed model. Okay. Uh, but we like to say it's a hybrid distributed model because we have three different sites where all of our students go oh, okay. during the fourth year. One is a, a large um, animal shelter in Knoxville okay. called Young Williams. Also, all of our students rotate through our facilities in Virginia mm-hmm. at our debus Veterinary Teaching Center, and also at the University of Kentucky, the veterinary diagnostic lab there. Oh, okay. And so we have those core sites, and then of course the students, in a lot of ways they can set their, their own path during that fourth mm-hmm. year as far as what they're interested okay. in. We don't actually have tracking. Mm-hmm. But um, as we started building up the veterinary college, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, we realized you know, we needed a good place for training, um, the clinical skills, communication, and also our one health concept, and so um, Dr. Pete DeBusk, who's the chairman of board of our chairman of the board of trustees here, uh, had a farm in Virginia, which he turned over to us, and mm-hmm. so we've uh, built a lot of facilities there, and it's just uh, you know first class facilities it as is. far as anatomy and mm-hmm. the clinical skills building and all
0: that. So yeah, yeah, I had a chance to go into the. Uh, Um, Every school now is developing these, um, the clinical skills, kind of um, um, these labs for students to practice and learn um, Mm -hmm. different kinds of skills. But I had a chance to also kind of step into, I guess, what seemed kind of like a mad scientist space there, (laughs) (laughs) kind of behind the scenes and and, um, see how you all make some of these models that, um, that, that, um, yeah, it was just all kinds of cool, but kind of weird
1: things So <laughs> <running> far. <laughs> so our, um, we, you know, we have these three threads that run through all of our uh, curricula. One of them is the clinical skills. So uh-huh. our, our students get exposure to clinical skills from the very first week that they're here on campus. Oh, wow. So we let them learn on the models first and mm-hmm. then they transfer that over to the large, or excuse me, to the live animals. Also, communications is very important to us. We have sure. uh, a large group of standardized patients, local Mm -hmm. community people, that help the students through these different scenarios to to learn how to communicate with clients and also the One Health, because we have Dr. Gary Rogan doing it, who's very famous for (laughs) his One Health curricula. And so he's a a great expert and his team helps with the One Health. But one of the things that we do in our clinical skills, we actually do build our own model. So we've got a full-time person Uh, that builds these models for us and the faculty and staff uh, tell Bill who builds our models, you know, what we want and we just make adjustments along the way. And uh, one of our students was recently up for a national award as far as wow. a model that he helped create. So oh, wow. So it's it's an innovative place and a great place. Yeah, there was, to learn and and to have fun too. Yeah, it's
0: a really there was some really cool stuff in there. So So, getting back to I guess about the region, what would you like people to know about Appalachia? Appalachia has clearly been, um, and it is Appalachia, not Appalachia, right? (laughs) Right. And so, um, you know, it's it's certainly been a region um, that has been in the news a lot in the last year to eighteen months or so. Um, Coal mining, the loss of jobs, changing in industry, and and um, all of those kinds of things, and. Um, certainly, there's also been a big book written about Appalachian culture, at least from one person's narrative, Hillbilly Elegy. But mm-hmm. um, you know, those are um, kind of uh, those big picture kind of views of um, kind of what the rest of us outside of the region see um, and, and hear about the region. What would you like people to know about Appalachia? Well, one of the
1: results of what happened in the 40s and 50s, a lot of people, because Coal mining, they started Mm -hmm. more mechanization. Uh, Some people lost their job at that point, and and other jobs that started being hard to find in the 50s, people started migrating to the north. And so there was like a hidden minority of what's called urban Appalachia people. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot around Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. uh, Detroit, uh, those type of areas. And I've got family that Mm moved. Uh, north like that, and they're, they're, they tend to stay in the same region, and, uh-huh. and they, they cluster together, because uh, yeah. family is very important yeah. in Appalachia, um, so I, I just think the people of Appalachia, they're uh, very loving, um, mm-hmm. very family-oriented, um, you know, we do have a lot of arts and crafts, people have a colorful language, you know, oftentimes <laughs> people say things like, uh, you know, I'm more nervous than a Long-tailed cat in a room full room of rocking chairs.
0: Those type of
1: things, <laughs> and so sometimes we'll use terminology, and um, we have to help our students when they get into clinics to understand some of some the of terms that, that yeah. people say. For instance, uh, one of my friends um, went into an exam room, and um, she was from the veterinarian was from another area of the state of Kentucky, but donor said that the dog had lost its mouth, and so she had to step out of the room. <laughs> And asked the other veterinarian who was her husband mean. What, what that meant. It just meant he couldn't bark, so oh, so it lost his okay. mouth. And uh, sometimes people say things like, uh, you know, instead of asking things directly, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes indirect questions okay. will be asked. So maybe on a like Monday morning, mm-hmm. you come in, you're not going to ask someone, what did you do this weekend? Was, you know they, they have to tell you it's like you know tell me what you did but it may say something well did you have a good weekend and oh, that gives okay. them a choice to either give specific answers or
0: a general you know, or a general yeah.
1: answer and so those type of things happen when you get into an mm-hmm. exam room with people in appalachia where uh, like I said once you build up their trust sure they're going to stick with you but um, they are a little bit reserved, reserved. about when when strangers or someone mm-hmm. that, sure. that right. they don't know but once I get to know you, uh, yeah. it's great, and it's it's just a wonderful place.
0: So I'm sure that the practice that students get um, um, really helps, but are there other things that you all do here that help them um, learn how to engender trust in the community? Because that's a skill, I think, that will serve them wherever they go, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, so are there things that um, um, you all focus on and kind of helping them learn? One, there's the this kind of um, language and kind of the language of idioms that are, are specific to every region. Because some of those things, um, I'm from Richmond, central Virginia, so just outside of Appalachia, but... Some of those things are also, for me, I consider them southern kind of, you know, things that we would say the cat with, um, you know, or, um, oh, goodness, we could have a whole, like, idiom contest (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I've probably grown up with. Um, But, um, you you know, that reservedness isn't quite um, the same outside, at least in some parts of the southeast, um, where folks are, let's say, not, I don't want to say nosy, but... Curious (laughs) 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 about what's going on in everyone else's business. So, um, so how do you help students kind of learn that? I mean, one is just great, just practice and being able to ask questions. But are there things that you all kind of um, do even in orientation that that kind of help them adjust?
1: Yes, Um, I get to speak to the incoming class about Uh Appalachian culture and. you know things to expect from the people. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of community mm-hmm. events recently, great. or last month we had a farm and family day, uh-huh. and there were hundreds of people from the community that came oh, and interacted great. with our students. Uh, we have students that go out uh, to local schools because that's part of our recruitment strategy. Is you know try to get uh, a diverse group of students interested in veterinary medicine. So we'll, our students will go mm-hmm. to elementary schools. And uh, talk about veterinary medicine and mm-hmm. what our program's like. And uh, one of the things we're interested in doing is reaching out to high school students and middle school age students. Um, our university, uh, one of our board of trustee members, owns a, a company that does a lot of analysis, and he identified over 200 words that um, children from Appalachia don't recognize on SAT and ACT oh, scores. Wow. So we try to you know, help bridge uh-huh. that communication gap, mm-hmm. gap. and um, so our students I mean they just love living here and uh, um, like I said they sure. like the friendliness and yeah. and just the closeness that we have uh, oftentimes our faculty and staff I uh, will make videos yeah. and different things for instance while the students are out on their clinical mm-hmm. rotations to try to encourage them yeah and um, get them ready for the NAVLE so test which, yeah, is, right. which is very <laughs> important so, so so there is a closeness and yeah. a bond there uh, between our faculty and staff and the students.
0: Great. Um, when you said the video, it also reminded me of that. Uh, um, is, now, is this an annual thing? And we'll have to post um, uh, uh, um, the video of um, this, these famed LMU vet school videos that feature the dean. Yes. <laughs> so we all get involved <laughs> in that. <laughs> Those <it's>, are awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: We just released two videos to the fourth-year students this uh-huh. week, and so... Uh, we we showed them to the other three classes also. Uh-huh. We really loved them also. So our, our staff made one, and then um, the faculty got together and made one just to, to try to yeah. encourage them. Yeah. You know, and I believe it's around the corner, right. so make sure you study. We got a lot of confidence that you're gonna do well. They're
0: gonna do great. Um, yes. Yeah, these videos are awesome. <laughs> like, there's singing, there's rapping, there's dancing. <laughs> like they are really they're, they're really a hoot. So it seems right. like you guys have a really good time here. So. Yes. So what else should people know about LMU? I mean this is this is one of our newest schools um, yes. and it came up the same year that Midwestern um, mm-hmm. came in and um, you know um, I do a lot of, of research on applicants and certainly it was it seemed like you all had no problem kind of drawing. Um, the attention of, of applicants who were interested in, in looking at additional options um, and in coming to the region as well. It certainly was a great opportunity right. for students in the region, but also for, for students, um, for all of the students in the U.S. So mm-hmm. what else should people know about LMU? Well, LMU
1: started in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason mm-hmm. that LMU came into existence was at the end of the Civil War. Uh, there was a General O. o. Howard, Mm-hmm. who was uh, speaking to Lincoln and Lincoln said, if I don't make it you know, through this war, he said, I wanna <laughs> do something for the people of Northeast Tennessee. And so General Howard remembered uh-huh. that promise to Lincoln and he was passing through here and stopped on his way to Chattanooga and remembered, uh, remembered what he had told Lincoln. And so uh, he was actually the founder of LMU along with some local community uh-huh. people Interesting in general howard was also the founder of howard university yeah. in washington dc so uh this one general he uh started two uh, great universities yeah. Yeah. and i didn't realize this until a few years ago but he actually lost one of his hands in the war oh my. he had another general friend that lost the opposite hand so he told his friend they just needed to buy one pair of gloves and share that <laughs> so so he was a great man um And through the years, uh, LMU was a liberal arts college, Uh and then about 15 years ago, we became very interested in the health sciences. We already had a a very good nursing program, Mm -hmm. and veterinary technology had started in 1985. Uh, But in the last 10 years, we've had an osteopathic medical school, uh, nurse practitioner, nurse anesthetist. Uh, Also, we've added a law school, uh, physician assistant program, and then... Uh, of course the the veterinary college yeah. so uh, we do emphasize the one health concept we're very sure. there's a lot of integration between mm-hmm. our college and uh, the medical school and all the health sciences sure. so yeah. so I think that's one of the things that attracts the students here yeah. um, is the diverse health sciences that we have and our students have or excuse me, our graduates have had a lot of success finding jobs when they leave here all right. well, so, so we're excited uh, have our first graduating class next May and then mm-hmm. get the graduates out there and just see where they see where end they up Yeah, yes.
0: Hopefully they'll stay in Appalachia and yes. uh, do great work. Yes, we hope a lot will. Yeah, all right. Well, this has been fun. Yes, it has. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to kind of um, chat a bit about the region and, and LMU. This has been a great visit for well, me. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to coming back and... Um, yeah, this, is, this has been great, and I'll definitely come in the fall, because it's, yes. it's just so gorgeous here, it's, and the weather is great, too. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so, so we like to do a lot of interviews in the fall, because, you know, the students, when they come in for an interview, they're trying to sell themselves, but sure. we're also selling our program, Yeah, because we're new, and uh, we just think we have a lot of great things to offer, yeah. and, and, you know, we just, I just, I think veterinary medicine is the greatest career there is, it's just. So many opportunities that yeah. students have.
0: Yeah. Well, it's um, it's uh, vet Med has definitely been great for me. I'm <laughs> yes. not a veterinarian, but I get to hang out with you all for the last twenty so uh, oh, twenty great. some uh, odd years. So it's been uh, it's been wonderful. So I think that um, anything else you want to share? I just
1: think that um, our veterinary college and other veterinary colleges are doing a, a great service, and we're trying to fill that need. Uh, for the Appalachia region, since you know, as I said, seventy-five percent of of rural areas in yeah. Appalachia, they need veterinary service, and yeah. so um, we're just trying to help our students understand how they can put together a good business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, our Caha, which is a center for animal health and human health in Appalachia, um, they can actually earn a rural uh, cer- rural veterinary medicine certificate oh, wow. from us, and so we focus on. Um, a good business model for to help them set up a practice, and that way they'll be successful.
0: Okay, well, great. We're,
1: we're excited about our affiliation with the University of Kentucky.
0: Sure, all right.
1: So, of course, me being from Kentucky, yeah. You're really, I love that. There's, a there. yes. <laughs> there's a lot of pride there. Yes,
0: there's a lot of pride there. Well, we will definitely make sure that um, we include some of this other um, information um, about some of the other. Um, some of the research that's going on in the region and some information about the region in the show notes. Um, And we'll post those also on um, our uh, podcast Facebook page so that people have a real opportunity to learn more about what's going on in the region. So, thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for visiting us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to sit down and chat with you this morning. So, all right, well, thank you so much um, for joining us. We will be back in a few weeks with another episode of the podcast. Until then, uh, I guess, happy uh, holidays. And um, we will see everyone soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you.